This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, this is John Beatty, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 46 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbonis, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob? 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 Indeed, indeed, Rick. I think I know where you're going with that, man. Are you? Oh, are, yeah? you are you hearkening back to the mid 1980s? Well, chance? you know, Bob, life, life moves pretty fast, and if you don't stop and look around in a while, you could miss it. That's true. And at the very least, Rick, you should steal your dad's classic automobile and go for a joyride. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. That was uh, that was uh, a little homage to Bueller. Uh, because we are in the year of 1986, which was um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was uh, number five in the uh, top grossing movies of 1986. And that is what we are doing today. We are covering uh, the Captain America annual number eight, which you might say off the top of your head, if you're not that familiar, well, what's so special about that one? But if you saw the cover you would know this is like the most sought after annual uh at least at least not one of the early ones but um it is the one with wolverine and captain america fighting on the cover yeah you know the annuals don't get a lot of love rick i mean let's let's be let's be frank with that right um but this one does this one does and rightfully so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you you suggested this one and so um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, we got definitely got to do this one. Um, so we're, 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 we'll jump into that here in, uh, in a couple moments. Um, anything going on in the, uh, the Facebook group, uh, this week or uh, recently? No, it's, uh, we haven't had any fires. Yeah. That's a good thing. It's true. Yeah. Uh, we did update the rules. We did. Uh, yeah. We did update some of the rules. We updated some of the questions, um, so if you're in the group, if you're one of the 4,000 members in the group, you have been grandfathered in, but we've, now that we're up to 4,000 people, we're, we're being a little bit more strict, um, because a lot of people, it, Bob, I don't know if you know this, a lot of people sometimes don't answer the questions. I know it's, it's crazy. There's like three questions, right? Rick? I mean, three. yeah, it's like, I mean, they're, yeah. And they're, I mean, they're not like, you don't have to study for them. No. Yeah. Right. I mean, Yeah. So anyway, yep. Um, and you know, and the thing is, Rick, we don't like we don't like it's like we don't go to the, your profile to verify that your answers were correct. 
Oh, I do, Bob. Oh. <laughs> I, do. I go, I stalk everybody. You know, if you say Mike Zek is your favorite creator, it's like, we don't go check to make sure that like you've, you've explicitly said that on your profile. You might, I, I, yeah, you probably do. You're right. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I stalk the ones that don't answer because I'm like, <laughs> look, give me a reason, any reason to let you in the group. I don't care. Right. Show me a picture of something comic book related. Yeah. Okay. Right. You're in. Yes, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Right now, it's kind of like, all right, guys, you know yeah. what? We we don't we we got so much going on. We don't have time to do that kind of research. So. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, if, and listen, if you haven't been on the Facebook group yet, you really need to get there because um, there's always interesting conversations going on. Um, people sharing uh, stuff about new comics, old comics, filling in their holes, stuff they're searching for. Sometimes there's some killer deals that could be made, uh, showing off their, their commissions, sketches, their original art, their action figures, statues. Um, it's just one big happy family of Captain America comic book fans. Yeah. I gotta tell you, Rick, I have, uh, you know, I've been, I've been collecting cap for years and loving cap and reading cap and philosophizing about cap, but, uh, I have learned so much, uh, in the last year or so that I've been in the group. Um, it's been great, man. I've, and, and all kinds of different aspects of, of being a cap fan that I, I, I didn't even know existed, quite frankly. It's uh, it's been expensive in some cases, <laughs> yes, but it's been uh, really rewarding as well. So, yes, and as I like to say, and and stuff that that people show, like they'll they'll post something as something really really cool, and I'll be like, wow, I never knew I always wanted that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well. Uh, so yeah check out the uh, the Facebook group. And by the way, um, also check out if, you know, I don't know where you're listening to the this podcast right now, what's your platform of preference, but um, you'd always go to our website, which is CaptainAmericaComicBookFans.com. Um, and we have all of our, our uh, uh, episodes on there and you can, you can post comments there underneath. You can like, you can share, you can do all kinds of fun things. And, you know, we'll, we'll start putting some other posts on there as well. So um, we got a big announcement coming soon. Um, we got this really cool premium. I know we've been talking about it for weeks, but let me tell you, we've been working on this for a long time and we'll be announcing it uh, very, very soon. So we're looking forward to, to doing that. So you can check out the, uh, the website there. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Not that you would know because no one follows us on there. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but anyway. Um, Maybe we got to get up. We got to get on TikTok. I mean, that's the key. Oh yeah, yeah. My we got to do some. Uh, my son Bob, will know I dance videos. Yeah. yeah, my son will know I exist if we get on TikTok, which would be a nice thing. Ah, yeah. Oh, hey, hey. At least your son didn't call in and say, "Hey, Dad," <laughs> during the listener Q and A. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um. So, all right. And you know what? We also have a big announcement on who our next guest is going to be, um, which is going to be next episode, episode 47. But we'll save that for the very end of this podcast. We'll keep you, we'll keep you hanging there. All right. Um, oh, and coming up after that, episode 48, um, Bob came up with this great top 10 uh, list. Now, we had a top 10 list that we did way back uh, in episode number nine, and it was top 10 villains 
not name the Red Skull. And we had uh, a lot of people call in and, and vote for, you know, who theirs was. And it was a fun conversation. And, and uh, it's one of our most listened to podcasts. So our episodes, I, I, you should go check out episode nine. But the one that we're going to do for episode 48, this was Bob's genius idea. Bob, you want to tell him? Yeah, I do want to. Okay. Yeah, duh, yeah, yeah. It's you know, I only have I'm only allowed one brilliant idea every year, so absolutely, <laughs> I want to talk about it. So, uh, you know, I was thinking we should do a show on the top ten differences in the origin stories of Captain America, because as you know, uh, from the get go, from Captain America comics number one all the way up through Tales of Suspense and the early issues of Captain America uh, Volume One and uh, subsequent issues, we have seen little changes along the way. And I thought it might be fun to sort of uh, discuss some of those changes and, and, uh, and why they've been so important to the Captain America mythos. I love that idea, Bob. And, and, and I'm all totally on board with that. I'm just curious though, since it, you're saying it's top 10, are we going to rank them as far as, um, I don't know that we, how are we going to do this? Like, are we going to say here are just 10, here's 10 differences that we we've seen uh, over the 80 years, or we're going to say, no, here are the top 10 and uh, here's our number one origin. Here's our number 10 origin. Like how, how are we doing this? Well, you're just going to have to tune in and find out. Right? Okay. Apparently Bob hasn't figured this part out yet. <laughs> curses, Rick curses. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, okay, so stay tuned uh, for the end of this episode to find out who our next guest is going to be next episode. All right, let's get to it, Bob. All right, so this is uh, annual number eight. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the episode, right, it's 1986. So this one um, had a cover date of September 1986, which means it hit the stands in the summer. And um, as I mentioned, as far as um, the, the cover, you know, you've got uh, the classic, uh, and this is by Mike Zek, right? So, so you have the Mike Zek logo up in the top corner. Uh, you have the Marvel 25th anniversary on top of that. And guess how much it was, Bob, for, for a big annual back then? How much, Rick? $1.25. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, that's a good deal. And, and so it says Captain America annual, and and uh, it's Cap facing uh, this direction, uh, and he's he looks angry, like you know, like you don't normally see him this angry, and he's got his shield up, and then you with his back to you, but he's twisting. Wolverine's coming down with his left claw over Cap's raised shield, and sparks are flying. And both of them have their arm, their other arms cocked back, ready to, ready to launch at each other. And it says featuring Wolverine. Now, if that cover didn't grab you back in summer of 1986, you don't have a pulse, my friend. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a, that's an iconic cover, Rick. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think if you if you're gonna ask if you're gonna ask the average comic book reader to to give you five comic book covers that they recognizes a captain america comic book cover this is going to be one of them yeah for sure and it was penciled by mike zek and inked by john Beatty. 
And uh, so what's what's been going on during this time, you may ask? Well, over in the regular series of Captain America, so also with a August cover date is Captain America 320. Now, do you do you remember what was going on in, in that time period of uh, of Cap Bob? Oh gosh, it seems uh, was uh, gosh. No. All right, and by the way, those were only seventy five cents. You're only paying an extra fifty cents for that big annual. Um, this uh, this was the Mark Grunewald mm. uh, story of Scourge. So there was like several issues yeah. of Scourge. So that was what was going on. Paul Neary was the penciler and Dennis Jonke uh, was the inker. Um, so that was going on in Cap's regular uh, issues. And what was going on with Wolverine, you might ask? Well, uh, in that time period, it was um, Uncanny X-Men. This was like the early 200s, so 208, 209. Um, and this was back when Chris, Chris Claremont was still writing it. John Remitter Jr. was doing the art. And um, this was, I don't know if you're, you, you weren't a big X-Men fan back then, but um, in issue 200, it was the trial of Magneto. And then um, he, Magneto basically uh, became the new mentor of the X-Men and, and uh, Professor X was gone. So this particular time period, um, the X-Men were fighting the Hellfire Club and over trying uh, to, um, to claim Rachel, who is this phoenix from the future and so that was the story going on right then and bob do you know who's in the hellfire club i don't rick well it's kind of they're based on like chess pieces you have the 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 black king the black queen the black bishop the black rook the black queen is none other than Celine. there you go i wasn't aware of that yeah so she uh so that's and you know, and for those who don't read Captain America recently, the volume nine that just uh, ended the Coats run, Celine was a was a big villain in there. Um, so that was what's going on with Wolverine at that time. Now, I say that because you know Magneto is always seen as a villain, right? But at this point, he's on a redemption arc. So in issue two hundred, there was a trial of Magneto. Then he became kind of a mentor slash leader of the X Men redeeming himself um so which is not a good visual for the x-men because they've already been kind of hated hunted um misunderstood um so having a global villain like magneto there associated with them is not not good for them now getting back to the annual um we have as i mentioned on the art team, Zach and Beatty um, also helped inking this issue uh, was Joe Rubenstein. Um, and if, if you recall back when we had our uh, discussion with him on, on episode number eight, so great talk with Joe Rubenstein. You need to go check that out. Episode eight. Um, he, he did mention how he was uh, brought in at the last minute to help inking. I think it's like the last six or eight pages or something like that. Um, of this issue because I guess they were behind schedule and he wasn't in the credits in the beginning, but at the very end, he made them uh, say that he helped ink the book 
because rightfully so, if he didn't and his name wasn't in the book, he'd never get any royalties. Uh, so, um, so he he he's done a little bit here. The colorist, I'm not familiar with this colorist. Is Glennis Oliver? Uh, but the letterer, Jim Novak's been around, and then um, editor, Mike Carlin, and, and editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. So um, we already talked about what was going on um, with the characters, what was going on with the creators. Now, Mike Zeck had left the book um, with issue 289. And what did he go leave for? Well, it was, uh, you might have heard that back in 1985, there was this miniseries called Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. And uh, that was a huge story um, that was written by Jim Shooter uh, and art by Zach and Beatty. And that ran until, um, I want to say, spring of 1985 is when it ended. It was a 12-issue miniseries. Um, then when they were done this gigantic, like the, the biggest thing ever in Marvel you know, publishing at that time, um, Zach and Beatty then went on to do the Punisher miniseries. Um, and that was um, written by uh, uh, Stephen Grant. And, um, but it was um, uh, penciled and inked by, by Zach and Beatty. So they, they went from that to the Punisher miniseries. And then from that, they came to do this annual. So that's, that's kind of how they came full circle. And also what's kind of cool is after uh, this, this annual was when Beatty came on the book to ink Paul Neary and then Zek came on to do covers for a while. So, uh, so that kind of brings us full circle. That, my friend, uh, earned you a cookie. <laughs> that was a lot of great research there. You know, it's nice to tie things together and to, you know, I, I mean, as I've said before, I am, I'm a cap reader, man. I'm a cap collector and I don't, I don't dabble in other characters. I, uh, my depth of knowledge in some of these other characters is very, very shallow. And so it's cool to, to hear the different uh, connections and what's going on in other, other series uh, concurrent to, to what we're going to explore tonight. So that's cool. Thanks, man. You got it. All right. Stanley presents captain america all right so we we have an opening splash page and it's a barroom fight and sitting at the bar is wolverine but in his civilian uh clothes and he's just sitting there minding his own business having a brew smoking a cigar and behind him there's a big barroom fight going on chairs tables being thrown guys being thrown and uh, it says, Richie's Bar, 20 miles north of Salem Center, New York. It's not one of Westchester's county's tourist attractions, but it's a good place to get away from the hurly-burly of everyday life, a place to relax, nurse a couple of brews, and contemplate life's vicissitudes. And it has a little asterisk down below, Bob. <laughs> I love this. Do you know what it stands for? Vicissitudes, it, yes. uh, it is a synonym for changing fortunes, Rick. Yes. And this is one of the great things about, com people say comics is just for kids, man. But this is, this is how you learn vocabulary. That's right. Indubitably. Hmm, indubitably. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a place to relax. Uh, at least it usually is. 
And next thing you know, um, there's a, a guy being thrown uh, over over uh, uh, Logan. And it says, the fellow sitting at the bar's name is Logan. If he ever had a first name, no one's used it in years. And uh, he's a mutant by birth, a killer by instinct, a mass manhunter by profession. When on business, he's known as Wolverine. His friends are few, his enemies, an endangered species. But he didn't come here tonight seeking friends or enemies. And there's this big fat guy that gets thrown over the bar and crashes the mirror behind it and all the bottles. And the, the bartender, he's ducking, going, oh, no. And just, I don't know if you noticed, just as the guy's hitting the bar, Logan picks up his beer to make sure it doesn't get splashed. And there's a guy hitting a chair over this big uh, bald guy who's who's fighting these two guys and he comes up behind stick a mutiny scum teach you to come in a straight bar no he sought peace and quiet a few hours respite from a world that hates and fears those who are born different like this poor soul in the center of the cyclone finally the altercation lurches to a halt the room is suddenly still save for the sobbing of the big man standing amidst the sea of twitching bodies I'm not muty scum, am not. Bob Frank, normal now. Normal, you hear? One at directions, not fight. You made Bob Frank fight. You. I go now. And and sure enough, it, there's like 10 bodies on the floor and broken tables and chairs. Bob Frank. The name sounds familiar to Logan. Whoever he is, his prowess as a barroom brawler seems second only to Logan's own. What the devil was that all about? Don't know. Keep the change, bub. And he puts his hat on, and he flips a coin on the bar. Bob, I know it's 1986. <laughs> what I coin was, is? What yeah, coin's I, he flipping, man? Man, I was like, I was like 18, 19 in, in 1986, and uh, and I was sneaking into bars, Rick, and I don't, I don't recall paying with a coin. It reminds saying. me of uh, <laughs> gosh, what the, reminds me of this uh, stand-up comedian. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, it'll come to me. But anyway, he he talks about watching these old western movies, and and people would just get a pouch of coins and just throw the pouch, right? And right. like you know, I'll I'll get a hotel room. Uh, a bath from a horse, some wild oats, uh, a uh, yeah. you know a meal, oh, uh, a yeah. bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, one of those ladies. One of those ladies over there. Yeah, and a woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, here you go. And he throws a pouch of coins. And yeah, yeah you didn't you didn't count it back then. You know, you just what was it worth? It was worth it was it was money. It was worth yeah. money. Yeah, and that's 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 what this is. The guy just tosses a coin. All right. So Logan's uh, grabs his, his duffel bag and he, he leaves and it's dead of night. And, and sure enough, comes out the bar and uh, the bald guy is, is walking down the road. Logan may not have come to Richie's on business, but there's something about the skull cracking customer that provokes his curiosity. It's possible the guy could just be abnormally strong. On the other hand, when you've been around mutants as long as Logan has, you can almost tell them by their scent. And mutants, good, bad, or indifferent, 
always mean business to him, as well as to the other eight members of the mutant defending X-Men. With practice speed, Logan strips off his cumbersome casual wear and clads himself in his somber battle suit. It takes less than a minute. Then, like the predator he resembles, Wolverine takes to the woods, stalking his quarry. Although the underbrush has a thousand pitfalls, he doesn't make a sound. Where'd Bob Frank go? Bob Frank afraid of dark. And, you know, I, I want to point out this uh, this panel here, because I think it's a really cool perspective, Bob. Right? So you've got, you got Wolverine kind of like in, a, in the woods in a gully looking up at the road. So you see the night sky, you see the trees in the foreground and background, and you've got a Lund, um, leaning forward Wolverine kind of like he's, um, you know, staying low, you know, in the shadows. And it's just a, it's a real cool angle, don't you think? It is actually, it's, and, you know, you've got, you've got the Bob Frank character skylined, you yeah. know, right. Yeah. And, and like you said, Wolverine is sort of crouched as low as he can get to the ground and yet still move forward, you know, like, a, like the wild animal he is. It's, yeah. It really is a great perspective. And it's also interesting the choice that Zek made here on the on where the detail goes. Like there is absolutely no detail on the bottom of his boot because you see on the on the right boot, you know, on his sole, it's completely flat, which, you know, wouldn't make sense unless you're an action figure. But the hair on his arms, you know, are all like detailed in because you know wolverine's a very uh hairy character um so he didn't he didn't uh it wasn't like he didn't want to be detailed he just chose where he was going to be detailed i find that interesting yeah yeah you're right it, it takes your eye right to where he wants to, wants it to go yeah and and by the way it's the classic uh brown and i don't know brown and orange kind of style uh uniform yeah yeah, because he's had a bunch over the years, so I just want to make sure the visual is there. The name finally registers. Robert Frank was the costume crime fighter called The Wizard, who died some years back. He had a son, a mildly retarded mutant who discharged nuclear energy dubbed Nuclo. Could this be him? Who's The Wizard, Bob? A wizard? Golden Age, man. The, you know, popularized by uh, Roy Thomas in the, uh, in the Invaders, right? I mean, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and who did he marry? Oh gosh. Who was it? It was, oh, it's a golden girl. I thought it was Miss America. No, I don't believe it was Miss. I think it was golden girl. Yeah. Patriot All right. and Miss you're America gonna, got together. You're going to make me look this up, Bob. I am. I could be wrong. I don't, you know, gosh, and, uh, it's late. <laughs> and I've been grading papers all week, buddy. So, uh... <laughs> uh, all right, hold on now. If you ever want to find out something, just go to marvel.fandom.com. Great website. Yeah, I get a lot of a lot of good stuff from there. Uh, here we go. Miss America. Yep. Robert I... Frank is the wizard, and Madeline Joyce Frank is Miss America. I stand corrected. You know, I Bob, I yeah. got to tell you, the amount of the amount of just dumb knowledge in my head is scary. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> it came in handy when I owned a comic book store, let me tell you. I bet. I bet it did. Uh, I bet it comes, uh, like, really in handy while you're waiting for meetings to start at, uh, at your place of employment now. Mm. Indeed. But then, and uh, we get a surprised-looking Wolverine as he, he, uh, he looks up. He loses sight of the man for but a moment as he goes around some dense foliage. Now, he's nowhere to be seen. He pauses for a second, trying to pick up the scent of Bob Frank's trail. Then, there's a big noise. It's like, thump, And you hear uh, a scream. And Wolverine is on one side of the road in a gully. And he leaps, bounces to the other side very quickly. And uh, by the way, it's kind of cool seeing this because the last time we saw this was in Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars, Mike Zek drawing Wolverine like this. It's kind of fun to see it again. It came from the woods on the other side of the road. The sound of a struggle. But why can't he detect more than one scent? Bob Franks. A robot. And sure enough, there's like this 20-foot tall silver robot that is just beating the heck out of Bob Frank. His first impression is that it is one of the mutant hunting sentinel robots now employed by a certain government agency. But this metal behemoth does not smell like a sentinel. Curiously, it has no scent at all. But that doesn't stop Wolverine from thinking that what it's doing stinks. <laughs> oh, Mark. Nice play on words. Six 12-inch claws thrust from Wolverine's hands. They are made of antimanium, the strongest metal known to man. And he leaps, and he's got his arms cocked back, and you see a snick, snick, razor-sharp antimanium, wielded by someone with Wolverine strength, can slice through ordinary steel like butter. Of course, it has to connect first. And so this giant robot turns and fires at right at Wolverine and catches him midair and sends Wolverine flying back into the woods. Looks like through a few trees. Wolverine's entire skeleton is laced with antimanium. His body possesses the mutant ability to heal rapidly, but there's still a matter of pain. And speaking of which, the robot takes Bob Frank and he just puts him over top of a boulder and crushes his head. Wolverine jumps back onto the back of the robot not so fast, sucker. And he claws at the back of his uh, his helmet. A few more swipes and you're scrap metal, Tin Man. Curiously, Robot makes no move to dislodge the mutant on his shoulder, but instead straightens up and launches into the air with a roar of rockets. Though Wolverine tries to secure himself, he loses his grip from the violent vibrations and is forced to kick away himself from the rocket exhaust. He lands more like a jungle cat than a wolverine. He sees the robot rendezvous with a figure on some sort of hovercraft. His highly acute hearing picks up a single word uttered over the din of the distant rockets. Tess. And that's T-E-S-S. 
When the flare of the rocket is no longer discernible against the night sky, he turns his attention toward the robot's prey. His wounds are serious, very serious. If the man ever had nuclear energy coursing through him, there's no evidence of it now. But at the moment, he's still breathing, still fighting to not give up the elusive energy called life flickering within him. There's a hospital about 10 miles from here. At a full-out sprint, Wolverine can have him there in under 40 minutes. Hang on, bub. You'll make it. So now we're at a, uh, another scene, and it's a big old splash page, and it's a town uh, in the middle of the night, and you got Captain America there uh, with his parked motorcycle standing over a huge hole in the ground, and there's police holding off the, uh, the locals. Quickie Burgers, just off Interstate I-94, 20 minutes from the heartland of America. See that man, Billy? He's a real hero, not like D. Snyder. Who's D. Snyder? Tell me, tell me, you're a fan of D. Snyder. <laughs> uh, I was not. You're was... worthless and weak, Rick. Mm. What do you want to do with your life? Yeah. So, Bob. <laughs> uh, oh man, I wasn't into the uh, the big hair and makeup on men oh. look back in the eighties. You weren't. No, wasn't me. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I'm surprised they, uh, or maybe it was intentional. They, they, they misspell, misspelled D Snyder's last name, but that didn't throw me off the trail, Rick, because I'm a, uh, I remember those videos, you know, uh, uh, and the appearance of Douglas Niedermeyer from animal house. Mm-hmm. And I want to rock, uh, you know, those, those videos are, they're classics. They're classic tricks. I I've introduced my son to them. And <laughs> No wonder he, he definitely would know you through TikTok. <laughs> so I love I love that uh, that Mark uh, just gave a little uh, a little throw out to uh, Twisted Sister. Um, I think that was awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I like the pop culture references. Uh, you know, they're always fun. So I'm just you know I'm really appreciating this splash page. I don't know if you, if you paid attention to the detail. There's so much detail on this. You know, like the bricks on the building the uh the rooftop um even even since we're at an angle we only get a part of the of the uh quickie burgers sign on the front of it you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i I don't know there's just a lot of detail that the the mountains in the background the cars on the highway yeah and i think it's cool that like you know the the eye once again you know because of the color is drawn to the sort of the center of the splash page. Right. Yeah. And, and everything beyond the center is sort of muted in the coloring, which uh-huh. is, uh, which is a cool approach to ensure that your eye is drawn to the action. Exactly. Wow. Who'd ever thought a guy like captain America would show up in our town. You kidding, Henry, all America's his turf. And then there's a, um, a guy who works inside. Uh, you could, you know, he's got his apron on. So finally, Mr. Mc, McNulty decided to see what was down there. And when he didn't come up, I got scared. And and then you have Cap talking to one of the local police officers. Any idea what caused the cave-in? Not the slightest. Found it uh, this way this morning. With your permission, sir, I'm going to take a look. Be careful. We already lost one of our men down there. <laughs> 
Uh, we have two men trapped in a large hole in the parking lot of Quickie Burgers off I-94. That's right, a hole big enough to drive a car into. Lucky thing, my computer network alerted me about this. So the computer network, and I think we'll talk more about it throughout the story, but um, so Mark Grunewald uh, had introduced this as a um, a way for Captain America kind of to get out of New York and, and kind of go across the country and be, go where he's needed. So he, he developed this network called the Stars and Stripes where people can just uh, call in and say, hey, you know, there's this, this going on and, and, and help be his uh, eyes and ears uh, throughout the country. And he's going down a ladder into the, into the hole. He's got a flashlight. Judging by the pattern of the debris, the hole was made by something bursting out of the ground. Anything that big? Hmm. A stairway. Looks like a bunker down here. There's the door. The two men trapped down here must have gone through it. And he opens up the door in six-inch six steel. A good door for a vault or a bomb shelter. There are the men. And they were lying on the floor unconscious. No indication of what made them drop weight. That faint aroma of chlorine. Phosgene gas. No handle on the inside of the door. Better make sure it doesn't slam shut on me. And he puts his, um, his shield down to, to stop if the door closes. There. Wonder how much gas these poor souls were exposed to. I must have stepped on the door closing mechanism. And sure enough, the door closes, but the shield stops it from closing all the way. And at the same time, the gas comes out. And there's the gas spraying out from the hidden ducts in the walls. So he grabs both both the guys and he carries them out. And he gets them up top to the medics. They're both responding to the oxygen. Good. Let's move. You rescued the men. Why do you want to risk going back down? I still want to know what it is you've got down there. If you say so, Captain, here's that gas mask you requested. So Cap's now with a gas mask and he's back down and it's dark. He's got a shield and he's starting picking up, picking up big rocks and putting them in a shield to, to, to you know, as a, as a holder. Uh, bomb shelters don't usually come equipped with their own gas chambers. And I have a feeling that's just one of its many features. This chunk of concrete ought to make a nice doorstop. And at the end of the gas chamber, another steel door. And beyond it, I don't see any more gas ducts. Guess I can ditch, ditch the mask. Any other weight trigger surprises? And he rolls uh, one of those big rocks in there, but nothing. For a solid concrete floor, the, the acoustics of that rolling stone didn't sound quite right. Be that as it may, door number three beckons, and next panel, whoa, and there's a trap door that opens on both sides underneath him, and underneath are all these spikes. He caps falling, but he manages to get a shield and position it just right so that he lands on the shield on his back. He's like, whew, cute, if not for my impenetrable shield. I'd be having steak for supper. 
and he spelled steak in his head, S-T-A-K-E. True. So he, he's leaning, leaning back on his shield and he grabs on both sides to the spikes. So now I'll just brace myself against the near wall and he pushes off. My poor shield will need a new coat of paint after this. And, and he, um, as he's going across all the spikes uh, uh, sliding on the shield, he then uses his toes to get underneath the straps of his shield and he jumps up and he does a kind of like a backwards somersault um, with his hands on the ledge with his feet on the shield, pulling it up. That's a pretty good stunt right there. I believe the, it's it, technically it's called an alley-oop. Ah, probably that's why he says that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Bob, because I think I would have in my, my, uh, I would have went, Alizoup. Alizoup, yeah. Because that's how be, it's spelled. He'd be channeling Batroc. Uh-huh. That's true. Oh. <laughs> All right. Door number three, and yet another corridor leading off to the left. I wonder what devilry this chamber is rigged with. Hmm. The cinder block wall is pockmarked. Bullet ho- holes, perhaps? Lost all my doorstops in the spill. I'll have to sacrifice my flashlight. So he does. He puts the flashlight down to make sure the door doesn't close all, all the way. And he starts charging. Now let's see if I can make it to where the gun mounts must be located before they... No such luck. And he dies and he puts his shield up. And sure enough, there's these gun turrets that are open up in front of him. And they start just firing machine gun bullets how's that how's that noise can you make that noise for me bob (laughs) which i have to say uh no weapon sounds like that at all no that sounds like uh the bullets ricocheting off his shield i guess yeah i guess that's yeah yes i don't know when i was a kid i would i would be like you know make one of those noise yeah, yeah that brought me back yeah uh, how about that? I'll do that noise and you do the ricochet noise. Ready? There you go, folks. Wow. Yeah, it's like it's coming alive. Oh my god. This is like the 1930s serials, the 1930s, 1940s serials right now. So you can only imagine. Yes. If I only right. imagine imaginarium of the mind. It's true. I love that in the uh, in the in the movie, right? The cat movie where they were doing the cereal and they had, uh, you know, the 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 doing the 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 story about uh, was yeah, about, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Um. Oh well, it's bound to run out of ammo sooner or later. Later, I think that's about it. When you see Cap, you know, getting up from his army crawl position with the shield in front of him. Now to see just what it is that someone went to such great lengths to safeguard and he gets through the last door hard to see in here without my light why this is nothing more than an old boiler room but something disturbed the thick layer of dust in here recently and whatever it was had been lying on that table and left those enormous footprints 
Judging by the machine parts, it must have been some sort of robot. Soon, now Cap's back up to where he started out uh, up on the upper level. Captain, we, we thought we heard gunfire. We were going to... No need for alarm, Officer Gannon. It seems someone turned his basement into a death trap to guard something in the boiler room that got up and walked away. Anyone know what was on the site before it was a parking lot? This man claims to. There's a, an old man with a cane I'm walking up. This used to be the Schumann place. Tore it down about 10 years ago. Any idea what this Schumann did for a living? He was retired. I think he did government work before that. So Cap's now um, on his motorcycle with his motorcycle helmet. Because, you know, he's safe and obeys the law. I told you all what's down there. I recommend you seal off the hole as soon as possible. If I dig up anything pertinent, I'll be sure to let you know. Now we're at Westchester County, and there is a, uh, a truck, a tractor trailer, driving. And uh, so when the driver's singing, six days on the road and I'm going to make it home tonight. You know that song, Bob? I, I, you know, I don't know. I can't remember who sings it, but yeah, I do remember it. Yeah. Well, Bob, that was by Dave Dudley back Dave in Dudley. Uh, 1964. All right. I never was a big country fan. I was more of a more Western. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Is it the blue? Is that a Blues Brother reference? There was I Western and. Was that country? No, I can't. But anyway, yeah. Is that, is that a Blues Brothers it reference? Is, it is indeed. Yes. What a great movie. <laughs> we got both. We got both kinds of music in here: country right. and western. <laughs> uh, what a great Good movie. Stuff. So we see the uh, this the uh, the truck driver. Uh, wearing his, well, I guess truck driver uniform, right? Because he's got a red flannel shirt, some blue jeans, and a blue baseball hat. Uh, wasn't that the shirt Wolverine was wearing? Oh, I don't know. Don't make me go back. <laughs> Fair enough. And he's thinking to himself, keep singing, Reggie, old boy. You've been driving 13 hours, and you got to stay awake at least two more to make it to the plant. Hey, w- what the flaming... And all of a sudden, his trucks, just the radio, the lights, the engine, everything just shuts down. So he pulls over to the side. Lights, engine, radio, all conked on at once? Let me try the CB. What? This is impossible. How, how could it be on the Fritz, too? And, uh, Bob, just in case you're curious, there's a little asterisk next to the CB. Do you know what that stands for? Uh, I, believe, I believe it's a Citizens Band radio, Rick. Yes. It does. And if I, I honestly, if that wasn't here, I someone would have asked me what does CB stand for? I would have had no idea. That was, I, that was big stuff back then. My brother, I, mean, I know one. what a CB does. Yeah. I, 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 I could describe it. Uh, I couldn't tell you what buddy. the acronym stands for. Yep. 10 4, good buddy. Yeah. Uh, you going to put the hammer down? Uh, put, put the hammer down. My brother, my, uh, I have three older brothers, Rick, and one of them, the next oldest from me, he's about, he's about six years, six and a half years older than me. That was that was it, man. He got a he got a CB radio about yeah. this time, and uh, he was he was seriously into the ten four good buddy thing. Ah, are you watching out for the fuzz. 
Yeah, watching out for the fuzz, man. Yeah, that's right. Hey, man, you know, it wasn't just a few years before it was Smokey and the Bandit. Yep, right. I mean, yeah. All right, oh, so man. wait a minute, Bob. You, you're the young. Are you the youngest of four? Or do you have? I'm the youngest of six, Rick. Wow. Yeah, I'm the I'm the accident. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, Bob, I knew there was a reason we related. I'm the youngest of five. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I should have been the youngest of five. I mean, one of them is no good at all. So we could just. <laughs> we'll, we'll let, if they're listening, we'll, we'll let them keep guessing who that is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, uh, my dad had a CB radio um, and uh, he had it in his, his, his truck, his pickup truck, uh, which had a cab on the back. Oh, yeah. Right. And um, when I got my first car, which is right around this time. It was 1986. Okay. And my first car was a, uh, it was a 1976 Chevy Camaro. What? I know. Got myself a V8 305. Wow. It was, it was uh, and I paid for it with my own money. God damn. I had a Datsun for crying out loud. <laughs> Hey man, if you you worked hard and saved up, you could have got a Camaro. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, um, right. I'm lazy. And uh, and I got a uh, a uh, a CB my radio in there because my dad had an extra one. He gave it to me, and so every once in a while, him and I would be driving somewhere, you know, and because I didn't want to like stay as long as him, so he would he would talk to me on the CB. Oh, that's kinda, awesome. It that's was awesome. I guess. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. The pre-cell phone uh, days, man. So that's oh, all you right. had, right? I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was totally pre-cell phone. So that's it was so cool. Yeah. All right. Where are we? So the truck pulled over. Uh Reggie, who is is driving the truck, realizes that everything's on the fritz. Hey, back of the rig is open, but it's got electronic lock on it. Oh, look, Bob. It's not just a lock. It's an electronic. That's right. You know, it's a good one. Yeah. Even I can't open it. That does it. Now I'm really peeved. And he pulls out a pistol, Bob. Got a pistol in a box. So it's a revolver. Sounds like they're really ripping me off. So he's walking down the side of the truck. And then just then, coming out from behind the truck, is a costumed man with a helmet um, riding on a, a glider. It's the same one that we that Wolverine saw before. He says, okay, drop what you're doing or I'll, and he gets surprised. And of course, he just automatically fires at the guy and he hits him point blank. And the guy says, yo, what? I call myself Overrider, friend. I'm going to be accompanying you to your destination. And he picks him up and, and Reggie drops the gun. If you don't try anything funny, I assure you that you will not be harmed. Cross me, and that's the last thing you'll do. Do I make myself clear? But but my rig won't start. And then in the back of the truck, you have Tess, the robot, just throwing the cargo out to make room for himself. When I stop overriding your vehicle's electric, electrical system, it will. See? And sure, sure enough, everything turns back on. So Tess gets in the back of the truck and Overrider gets in the passenger side up front. Now then, to pass the time, you will tell me everything you know about the Adamico. Adamco? 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 
Yes. Oh, great. And then the next word is metallurgy. <laughs> it's the Adametco Metallurgy Company's security systems. Bob, maybe I should have practiced this before we did this. No, I like I like I like the uh, I like the original uh, original tongue. I'm not touching that. All right. So then Reggie <laughs> Reggie thinks to himself, "Oh man, Reggie, you're in the deep stuff this time. This guy looks like he just stepped out of Invaders from Mars, and talks like he pulls off these stunts all the time." Uh, well, <clears throat> there's a fence all around the place and and guards, I think. Elsewhere in Westchester County, Wolverine busts into a hospital carrying Bob Frank. This man needs medical help. So move your tails. Sorry, you'll have to wait out there. I see multiple contusions, bone fractures. Must have been one heck of a fight. And they wheel him away. Wolverine pauses, weighing his options. Should he stick around? see if Nuclo pulls through, or see if he can pick up the Esselians' trail while it's still hot. There's nothing more he can do for Nuclo anymore, he decides. He thinks of calling his fellow X-Men on this, and he decides against it. He's got a personal score to settle here. This time, he'll do it alone. So he goes running into the woods again. Without a 200-pound load, he lopes through the woodland like an unshackled beast of the night. The miles melt under his silent footfalls. And soon, his keen animal senses detect something out of place in the wilderness. He smells machine oil and packing foam and warehouse dust. Crates tossed against the ground with great force very recently. And they say, Adametko on them. A connection here? Adametko? The nation's leading manufacturer of Antimanium. Elsewhere, and we see Cap on his motorcycle. What I can't get out of my head is that the machine guns in the cellar trap were World War II vintage. Ah, there's my van. And he gets into the van and he's driving. Could this Schumann who presumably built the trap have worked for the military or war department? Maybe I can get hold of some declassified information through my contacts at the FBI. So then Reggie and Overrider are pulling up to Adametco, 2 a.m. the same night in southern New Jersey. And he's at the guard station. Let me see some ID and your work orders. Oh, it's you, Reggie. Should have expected you at this hour. How's it going? Not too bad, I guess. If I was a hero, I'd tell him about the weirdo I've got hiding him back. But so help me, I'm scared I'll never see Darlene again if I squeal. Our driver did very well, Tess. Fear is a great motivator, I've always found. Be ready to disembark. Okay, friend, your ordeal is almost over. Just back up to the loading doors and kill the engine. You've been a delightful travel companion, Reginald, but I must see to it that you're out of harm's way till I complete my task here. And he sprays him with some sort of gas. Good night. Well, he's a man of his word, right? You know, he said if he complied, he wouldn't hurt him. So that's nice. Yeah, I mean, he seems... Uh, an interesting thing about this uh, this villain here, Rick, right? I mean, he doesn't seem to want to take life. It's true. I don't know. Okay, Tess. 
We must move quickly to the foundry. Hurry, now. And they break in to the uh, the company um, into um, this, I don't know, how would you describe this room? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't know, it's like a, it looks like any fabrication room, right? I mean, I, there's, I don't know. It's like a manufacturing yeah, type facility. Of, of, yeah. Yeah, you get every, all these guys dressed in blue uniforms with uh, some sort of... You got like some welding masks on. Though. Yeah, and aprons yeah. and heavy-duty gloves, yeah. And sure enough, um, the two of them break through the door. Subdue all but two of them, Tess, and use no more force than absolutely necessary. That thing's 20 feet tall. And Tess just starts firing lasers out of their, out of his, his uh, fingertips on both hands, just nailing people. Tess, I said minimal force. Whenever I don't give her my undivided concentration, she goes wild on me. I'll have to watch it. And then there's two guys cornered against the wall. You men, unless you want my robotic friend here to hurt you too, you will prepare her for the antimanium treatment. Understand me? Yes, I know how long the process takes. I want to be finished before the 8 a.m. shift starts. Uh, right. Under the overrider's relentless scrutiny, the workers prepare the robot called Tess one for the patented antimanium coating treatment. Oh, it's patent. <laughs> I thought you would have think this sort of thing would be secret, but it is patented. Yes. So. All right. Can we? All right. I have a question. I'm going to stop here. So, antimanium, right, according to, to this story, is the strongest metal known, right? Mm-hmm. This is the manufacturer, the biggest manufacturer of antimanium. Now, over in Wakanda, that's what, vibranium, right? Right, yeah. Right? And that's supposed to be the strongest metal there is, right? Right. Well, which one's stronger? Right, right. Uh, here's the thing. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if the adamantium is, uh, is and again, this, this shows my, uh, my lack of familiarity with some of the other, uh, other, other series, but uh, is, that, is it man-made? Because they refer to resins here, whereas I always thought vibranium was uh, was not man-made. It was a naturally occurring substance. Uh, but I'm not familiar enough with uh, with the background of vibranium because, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it's uh, it's uh, no, even in the uh, Marvel Universe, it, it's it's it, 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 it's like an ore of some sort. It's an right? ore, but it? it's yeah. but it comes from space, right? Didn't it crash land? Like a, a well, you're yeah, you're thinking like a meteorite, right? Crash land, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure, man. Um, yeah. I'm I think everything you just said sounds f- like right to me. I don't know if it is, but it sounds right to me. And I kind of had the same assumptions. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe we can talk about this when we do our top ten origin differences. Maybe are we going to throw in there stuff about Cap's shield and the origin of Cap's shield, or is that a completely different episode? Well, that because- would be yeah. That'll I mean it'll touch on you know how cap got a shield where cap got his name right all those sorts of things are important origin components but but not necessarily the makeup of the shield okay because that like his shield is antimanium 
And then I, I heard it's also vibranium. Right. But then I also, another thing I heard was, well, no, it's antimanium. And then there's like a secret ingredient that we don't know. Right. Or maybe it's antimanium, vibranium, and a secret ingredient. Yeah. I, I'm not. Well, they mentioned that later in this story, Rick. Uh, that well, they said antimanium plus. Plus, right. Plus, plus. Yes. Right. <laughs> That's Which right. Why Wolverine's claws can't. The mysterious plus. Yeah. All right. right. But, yeah. uh, but of course, in the golden age, you know, Cap's shield was, uh, was cut in half more than, well, at least once that I can remember. So, well, there's uh, been times throughout. Yeah, it wasn't uh, indestructible back then. Well, they, but yeah. <laughs> You say indestructible, but there's been times where the round shield has been destroyed as well. Right. You know, and it's just, I remember as a kid, the first time seeing his shield broken and be like, <gasps> I'm like, no, that can't happen. Like, <laughs> how do you put that back together? You know? And right. And, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But there's been a few times his, his indestructible shield has been. Yeah. Destroyed. If anybody has any, uh, any insights they want to share, please, you know, hop on, uh, call in, make a comment or hop on the Facebook group, make a comment. Uh, yeah. School us. Absolutely. Um, all right, Bob. I think that has to be a complete episode unto itself. It's the all about his shield. We need nice. to do an episode that is the, the different, well, he's had different shields. Mm-hmm. Number one, right? So we could talk right. with the uh, the triangular shield uh, in the beginning that uh, uh, Joe Simon, you know, created, yeah. Yeah. right? And then the round shield they had to go with <laughs> issue number two because they were going to get uh, sued, right? Because of copyright infringement and all that. So we could yeah. touch on that. We could talk about the different versions of the round shield, uh, the different origins of the round shield, and the different times it's been destroyed. And then we could talk about his other types of shields, like his photon shield. Right. Yeah. Right. His the captain shield that was yeah. made by Tony Stark. And then then he had a replacement made by Black Panther. Okay. You know what? I just said the whole episode there. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. That was a quick, <laughs> that was a good review. Uh, but I think we should still do it. Yes. Yes. I think so too. I think yeah, I think I'll have fun doing. I, I think the listeners might care. I don't know. All right. So what what is overrider doing here he he's got this this gigantic robot this 20-foot robot test one and he is he is getting it made so that it's being coated in antimanium why uh in during the process um uh, the first thing they do is is the flexible joints are all covered with a heat resistant sealant to prevent the antimanium from hardening them uh, when the process completed several hours from now, the already formidable automaton, automaton, automation, automaton, automaton <laughs> will be coated with the most impervious metal known to man. Keeping it real. I'm sorry. Did I? I pronounced the wrong syllable. <laughs> Um, wow. Meanwhile, outside in the van, oh, and we got Reggie waking up. What? Where? Reggie, old cuss, you're just too blamed thick to stay conked out, I guess. Arms, legs feel like jelly, though. He gets out the uh, CB. Bob, what's CB stand for? Uh, Citizens Band Radio, Rick. 
Oh, you remembered. I was breaker, breaker. totally forgot. <laughs> I completely forgot. That's like if they don't have a little editor's note here every single time, I'm going to be like, uh, celestial body. I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> breaker, breaker, big robot loose at Adametco plant. Repeat, big robot loose at Adametco plant. Call the cops. Call the army. Please, anyone, help. And what do we have on the other side of uh, that CB radio is uh, a guy with his, uh, what, what do they call these things? He's got his, what do you mean, his microphone? It looks like my older brother. That's what I mean. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, this is my, my brother sat in front of the CB radio for months and months waiting for just this sort of transmission that never came. Yeah. But what do they call these, these uh, old radio things? Uh, it's got a name. Nah, I don't know. But yeah, there's a guy there. He's sitting there. He's like, well, bless me if my insomnia ain't paid off for once. This is Abel Baker. I read you, pal. I'll get you the best help there is. Have to contact Captain America's hotline, I do. Abel Baker. Why does that name sound familiar? You know, I don't. That's I, I wondered that, too. Rick. I mean, it, I it's, think it's, it's a, a, a homage to something. Uh, yeah, I would think so. It's it's obviously a, uh, you know, it, it, there's the... Um, Oh, for crying out loud. Now I can't remember. But, you know, we use those in radio transmissions, right? Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, you know. Uh, and Abel Baker has to mean A, B, something. But I don't know what it is. It's killing me. Or maybe it's an homage to a, a, a Golden Age artist of some sort. I don't know. Huh. Uh, and then we got, uh, ooh, we got Cap waking up, uh, sleeping in the back of his van. He's got his shirt off. Uh, a nice little, um, nice little, uh, panel here for the ladies. And he, he's waking up and he pulls up the phone. He says, my word, when I notified the stars and stripes to forward me any robot sightings without delay, I didn't expect one to show up this fast. Looks like no sleep for me tonight. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, stars and stripes is the code name for caps network of computer hotline helpers. So now he's driving off in the van. I will say, um, back in 1986, Cap's motorcycle, Cap's van, probably has to go to the motor vehicle to to get checked out because they all have exhaust just pouring out of them whenever they uh, whenever he rides them. <laughs> right, yeah, right. This is uh, yeah. This was before people were really seriously concerned about greenhouse gas emissions, right? I, mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could be just a an art thing that Mike Zek wants to show that the vehicles are in, uh, you know, in movement, uh, or it could be a serious problem that you have to get your exhaust checked yeah, out. You need to get that muffler replaced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Adametco plant is only about 70 miles from here. And 70 miles away, test one has undergone the third of the seven quarter inch applications of molten antimanium and is now dry enough to start the fourth. That's a lot of coats, man. That is. Yeah. You don't get that at, uh, you know, when you normally bring your car in for re repainting, you're going to get maybe two, but this is, yeah, <laughs> this is serious yeah. stuff. Now, unless it's the uh, undercarriage, Bob, make sure you always pay extra to get that undercarriage, uh, you know, done to your, to your car. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very persnickety about my undercarriage, Rick. <laughs> 
Outside, the overriders anxiously watches the clock. He fervently hopes they will not have to fight their way through the ranks of the next shift's workers. Okay. So he fervently hopes. So he's, uh, he, you know, he's not a... This is the third time, right? This yeah, is the third time. he's trying to avoid, avoid fighting. Yeah. yeah, third time he's been really careful about trying to avoid uh, hurting people. Yeah. Of course, the clock says five o'clock. I mean, he's got three hours before the eight o'clock shift shows up. I don't know why he's so anxious. Step on it. Yeah. yeah. An hour later, Cap uh, comes up and, and uh, the uh, the guy that uh, let Reggie in earlier, the guard, says, but Captain America, the security here at Adametco is excellent. 24-hour sentries patrolling the fence, a radar tower scanning our airspace. I don't see how a robot could have gotten in without... Nevertheless, sir, I'd like to, hey, what's that blinking light for? And he looks at a console inside the guard tower. Huh? That means someone's breached the fence. I better check in with main security. The cap just drives off in his powdered smoke motorcycle. But can I ask a question here? Yeah. Uh, legitimately, why is Cap wearing a short sleeve shirt? Not in my picture he's wearing his uniform is he okay all right yeah. i'm working off a digital version here Rick. i'm on the digital version oh yeah because it shows him with uh, bare arms no i've got wow maybe... interesting yeah um and listen uh, i know you know we're just this we're kind of showing how we make the sausage here but um uh yes people many times most times when I'm going through these, I am going through a digital version. Why, you may ask? Well, because um, I don't want to put my readers on <laughs> and, go, <laughs> and, get a, and get a real bright light out and go through smaller print, uh, number one. Number two, of course, you know, they're all, you know, bagged and boarded and stashed yeah. away and and uh, this particular annual uh, is behind me. Um, you know, uh, Bob knows this, but yeah, I can see it. Um, I've got on the wall behind me, and this is maybe a, a short little explanation of what I got going on back here. But um, I have a poster of the cover of this annual, and uh, it's framed. And then I have uh, taped to it um, the annual. Uh, that I had signed by Mike Zek. So I don't want to take that down and open it up and, and read it. So I am on a digital version. Um, I know, I know, as a former comic book shop owner, for shame, for yeah, shame, I, buy physical copies. Keep yeah. your comic book stores in business. I'm telling you that now. Uh, yeah. I am only doing this because, hey, listen, if I didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't be doing this. I would totally have my my physical copies. Yeah. And generally I don't drink while I'm reading my comics, but, uh, <laughs> but I do for these podcasts and then I don't want to be handling my, uh, my precious hard copies, my precious. So uh, digital is the way to go when you're, uh, you know, you know, Bob, that's another, it's <laughs> another fourth wall, fourth wall. We just broke there. I, I, I really don't, I, I don't like to talk about the fact that, Usually pound six drinks during these podcasts. Uh, I, I just uh, I want to be I want to be open with the with the listeners. Right? <laughs> uh, 
Oh boy. I also want to point out that when I was doing the sound effects earlier for the yeah, 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 I uh-huh. went out, I went out, you know, we took a short break. I went out, you know, I said hi to my wife and she's like, your, your sound effects woke up your son. Uh, oh no. <laughs> so I, I, I got to go back in. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bob's in trouble, everybody. Yeah. So this is how the sausage gets made folks. Uh, There's sacrifices that, that have to be made. Yes, it's true. And then Rick will spend seven hours uh, editing, re-editing, posting, uh, marketing, sending it out while Bob's just moving on. Yeah. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, you've, I've seen pictures of Rick with a sandwich board out on the, on the sidewalks, (laughs) you know, marketing this, uh, this podcast. Oh my goodness. Uh, Bob, you know, talk about um, the, the website, uh, Captain America comic book fans.com. So I launched this a month ago, right? Uh, I mean, by the time this comes out two months ago, but anyway, um, and I didn't realize that I thought it was going to just automatically populate the the posts from the podcast, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. So I had to like, you know, I have to do the posts individually and I thought I knew what I was doing, uh, you know, but I got like 95% of it. Right. But guess what? The 5% I got wrong was I wasn't loading the actual podcast correctly. So if you went to listen to episode 40, you might have been listening to episode 39. And listen, everybody out there, if that happened to you, I apologize. I figured out what I was doing wrong. I fixed it. It's all working well now. But yeah, those are the types of things that just uh, uh, keep me busy. Labor of love, Rick. It is totally labor yeah, of love. So. Totally labor of love. Uh, but we appreciate our five patrons. <laughs> and with that, back to the story. Yes. <laughs> so, the, so the uh, remember the fence? There's something. Somebody breached the fence, Bob. Who could it have been? Cyclops. There were any number of ways inside the plant, many of which may have been more surreptitious than this one. So Bob, <laughs> when I when I saw this, so, you know, when I was, I usually read these things once before we 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 record, and then because <laughs> sometimes there's a word that I don't say very often that might trip me up. Mm-hmm. Well, surreptitious is one of those words, so I actually had to make sure that I was saying it correctly. Uh, so I went online to check that out. And uh, Bob, uh, did you know that it meant kept secret, especially because it would not be approved of? That's the definition. That's, that's a lot of detail. That's good to know. Yes. Thanks, Mark Grunewald. So again, uh, Wolverine, is he went through one of the fences. Uh, and why? Because he decided that speed was more essential than stealth here. And no way. In was quicker than this. Effortlessly, the fearless mutant eludes the frantically searching security patrols, making his way to the hub of the plant's activity at this hour, the foundry. But just as he was about to enter, Cap comes up, coming up in his <laughs> exhausted motorcycle with all the pumps of cloud coming. Okay, you, hold it right there. Of all the flaming luck, Wolverine, 
What's the idea of the break-in, Wolverine? Did your new crony Magneto send you? None of your business, bub. And then there's a little note there from the editor. Former leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, now with the X-Men. So that was one of the things that I pointed out before that mm, didn't sit well with many people. And by the way, uh, the following year in 1987, you know what comes out? Four-issue miniseries, X-Men versus the Avengers. So that's uh, written by Roger Stern, who obviously knows Captain America and the Avengers very well. Um, and uh, there's a four-issue miniseries that comes out. So, so this is a, a little bit of a precipice to that, uh, I guess you could say. So Cap has a... Mm, how would you describe the look on his face here? He looks like he just ate something that didn't disagree with him, that disagreed with him. He looks a little indignant. Yeah. Right? He's got some indigestion going on there. Okay. You say indigestion. I say indignant. <laughs> now, look, I'm willing to give you X-Men the benefit of the doubt in light of your past accomplishments. But now that you've thrown in with Magneto... I need you to explain every time I find you stepped out of line. Furthermore, I think your general attitude. <laughs> well, Wolverine's not having any of this. So the next panel is what you see on the cover. And that is Wolverine coming down with his claws uh, and Cap putting his shield up to protect himself. Pal, I've got no time for your self-righteous bull. Antiminium claws strike them in the Antimanium Plus shield with a cascade of sparks. The sudden lunge tips Captain America off balance. But in the next moment, he regains it and sidesteps Wolverine's next wipes. Come on, Wolverine, just tell me what you're snooping around here for and I'll go easy on you. Cappy, I think it's high time somebody cut you down from your high horse. Now, why did I have to go and taunt this guy? So they're swinging at each other and missing each other because they're all very good, you know, athletes. But then Tess one breaks through the wall. He must, uh, must be a fan of Iron Man. You know how Iron Man always broke through all the walls. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We discussed that. I think, wasn't that the, previous? yeah, that was yeah, the right. Tales yeah. of Suspense right. 58 that we yeah. got. Yeah. Primary program, quarry in range. The robot. The robot. This thing's steaming. Good grief. It's been coated with antimanium. Looks like you were after the bucket of bolts, too. Couldn't you have just said so? I didn't like the way you asked. So the robot uh, swings at Cap. He puts his shield up. So they, uh, they dive. And then just then, when um, Tess starts firing lasers at Cap... Um, uh, puts his shield up and, you know, push, pushes Wolverine away so he can protect uh, Wolverine with his shield. And uh, Overrider comes flying in. Tess, we have no time for, oh, geez, Captain America and Wolverine? Watch who you're shoving. I don't need you to protect me. It was hard enough to bring her back under control earlier, but with the man she was programmed to eliminate right here. It'll take all my mental power. Oh, great. Now here comes the security. 
Stay back, men. The robot's antimanium. Query. Wolverine, take care of that flying guy while I tackle the robot. Tess, we must leave now. Way ahead of you, flag man. So cool it with the orders. And just then, Wolverine grabs the um, the floating device that Overrider was on. What? Wolverine is repugnantly one of the most dangerous free agents ever to rise through the ranks of the intelligence agencies. I'm taking no chances with him. So he turns quickly to, to make Wolverine fall off. Oh, no, not again. Test, blast your programming. Cease fighting. Follow me. It's uncanny how well this robot fights. Who could have programmed it? Aha. That's the circuit I've been overlooking. I haven't felt it in my previous mental scans. Now when I override Tess, she'll stay overridden. And um, the uh, the armed guards were like, who the heck was that, Cap? Don't know. Maybe my comrade in arms knows. You okay, Wolverine? And so, of course, if you remember, Wolverine was on that device, but he fell. So he's on the ground sitting. Was it to you, Avenger? If you hadn't delayed me, I might have gotten the drop on that robot's master before he caught wind of us. Now look, I may, I may have been out of line coming down on you as I did, but we're both obviously on the same case here. Let's say we set aside past differences and compare notes. And he reaches a hand out to uh, help Wolverine up from the ground. I'd say no dice, but I want to nail that metal sucker real bad. You first. And after a brief exchange, so Cap's sitting on his motorcycle and he's about to put his helmet on. So it looks like we both have some leads to follow up. Willing to meet again afterwards? Ridgie's Bar, north of Salem Center on Country Truck M, 10 o'clock tonight. So, Bob, uh, there was a little bit of mystery there. Ooh, I like mysteries, Rick. Well, didn't um, didn't Overrider say that? Oh, not with one of their the test ones queries, like you know, like oh, you know, there was it was either referring to Cap or Wolverine. It was like, you know, well, with the query here that she's programmed to go after, right? Yeah, you know, so we. You know, it's a little bit of a mystery. Like we didn't know. Was it was was he talking about his test after Captain America or his test after Wolverine? That's right. Like, and we don't know why Tess was after Bob Frank. That's true. I think Bob Frank would just got in the way. You think he just got in the way? He just happened to be meandering about in the countryside? I don't know. We'll don't find either. out. Yeah. Volman Center for Disturbed Children, West Virginia, six hours later. This way, Mr. Rensselaer. He's in the playroom. Thank you. And then, uh, so there's a, a bunch of kids playing in a playroom, except for this one child who's just sitting in a, in a chair, uh, seeming to be, uh, I don't know, Bob, how would you describe him? He's just kind of um, motionless, um, not responding to any stimulus. Right, yeah, he's just sort of catatonic, right? That's a good word. Johnny, how have you been, son? 
Sorry, I haven't been up to see you in over a week. I've been very busy. Son, I've been doing a lot of thinking about what we once talked about. You know, the bombs you're afraid will fall on us. Well, I've come up with a way so you won't have to be afraid of that anymore. Your dad's going to get rid of all the bombs. Really, I'm on my way now. When you see me again, they'll be gone. Bye, son. And he kisses him on the cheek. Uh, but again, the son's canatonic and doesn't really register any kind of emotion. So he's out in the parking lot walking to the van. He's thinking, and, and this is just a guy in a, you know, in a business suit, but, you know, looks middle-aged. Nuclear psychosis, the doctors called it. Total withdrawal from a reality, too difficult to deal with. I wish to God I'd never answered his question about the atom bomb, the arms race, the button, but at least I have the power to do something about it. So, Bob, it, it's 1986. Yeah. It's 86, what, what, buddy. What, what is he talking about here? Yeah, where were you in 1983, Rick? Do you remember? 1983? Yeah. Well, this is 1986. I, I know, but I'm asking you. Answer the damn question, Rick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Bob, uh, let's see. 1983, I was... Oh, right, this could be a long answer. Eighth so grade. Let me, let me cut to the shit. Do you remember a certain network TV movie made for movie one of the first network tv movies not like the after school specials but a network tv movie called the day after yes bob we've had this conversation because what 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 episode did we talk about this movie uh this no made for idea. tv movie no idea what? I, I just wiped the slate when we we're done man. dude they're all like our babies <laughs> like every one of these is important to me yeah the day it was after early, it was, was early it? on yeah, I can't remember nuclear. Yeah, nuclear, was it nuclear. was it during the um, uh, the death block issues? <sighs> I think it was. I think it, it was episode four. Yeah, when we were talking about the death block issues, and I think we yeah. we started off because back then we used to be like, "Hey, what's going on in the current mm-hmm. times?" Yeah. And I think I brought up the day after because right. because uh, that was a was that Chris Christopherson? No, but it had like Jason Robards in it. John Lithgow was in it. You know, he's a, yes, he's a yes, yes. We so talked about that. Yes. Yeah. So I'm very familiar, Bob. Right. Thank you very you know? much. I mean, that scared the crap out of me. Because in 1983, that's when the Deathlock story came out, 286 mm-hmm. to 289. Yeah. So that was a scary, scary movie. It upset a lot of folks, particularly really a, lot of, a lot of teenagers, young folks, right? Who nuclear winter, man. And this, mm-hmm. you know, and so this is just a few years later. Right. And this is like yeah. the heart of the uh, the end of the Cold War and the nuclear arms race that eventually broke the bank for the Soviet Union and, and drove them into dissolution. But uh, there are some scary years there. And so this is it coming was. out right around that time. It's true. What's the button, Bob? He refers to, he says, atom bomb arms race, the button. Yeah. Well, there's no actual real button. Right. But uh, but, you know, I think he's referring, of course, to the nuclear football and uh, yeah. and and all those guys. And uh, of course, at that time, it wasn't guys and gals it was just guys sitting in uh, nuclear silos with those keys around their neck, ready to mm-hmm. ready to turn the keys and push the button simultaneously to launch the, the warheads. All right, so his son's canatonic because of this. So he's he's like, I'm going to get rid of all the nuclear missiles, right? So he gets back into the van, and there's Tess One sitting in the back of the van. 
Ah, Tess, I'm delighted to see you haven't run away on me again. And then we cut to Steve Rogers in his civilian outfit sitting in front of a computer. In fact, he's at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. My contact at the FBI ran down the name Schumann for me. The guy who owned the place was this test robot came out of was a government scientist during World War II. Thanks to the Freedom of Information Act, making public certain old classified documents, I may be able to get a line on what Schumann was working on. After hours of searching for the right microfilm. I miss those days. <laughs> Not... Do you remember those days? I do. Oh, my man. goodness. Uh, right, Bob, you know what? That, I feel those bad. are the I feel, card catalog. I feel man. bad. We're, we've gone on so many tangents in this episode. I think like it's all we do is tangents now, right? Yeah. Like, um, uh, this is a one issue, and it's going to end up being a very know, long episode. I'm saying it. Dewey Decimal System. That's it. <laughs> I've said. I've said it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you had to go to the library, and you got uh, Microfish, and uh, you you went ahead or Microfilm. Right. I don't know. And you would take it and you put it underneath this thing, this glass, and there'd be a light and you'd look through these little goggles and you'd read these small, they would take newspapers and put them on this mic, you know, right. And then that's how you did because it was before what the internet. Yeah. The interwebs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Steve looks at this and he goes, this is incredible. If I interpret this document correctly and the document that he's looking at is project tests which has been terminated. Total elimination of superheroes. What? Super soldiers. Oh. Cool. That hits home. Yeah, it does. Project head, Daniel Schumann. Inception date, back in 1939. Termination date in 1940. This can't be the same guy. He's in, he's, this is 1986. So even if it was... 46 years later, he looks middle-aged with a small child. This can't be the same guy. Not the same guy. President Roosevelt had a secret meeting with the War Department's top brass, and scientists shortly after they began the project to create a super soldier, the project that enabled me to become Captain America. Apparently, this Professor Schumann argued that once America had its army of super soldiers and they won the war and came home, what would prevent them from abusing their superior power, perhaps becoming the master race that Hitler glorified? His answer was a fail-safe device capable of neutralizing super soldiers, the test robots. FDR gave him the go-ahead and allocations to proceed with his contingency plan. Only thing was, the one man who knew how to create super soldiers, Professor Erskine, was killed shortly after creating just one of them, me. With the super soldier program failing to yield its legions of superhuman warriors, Schumann's contingency program was no longer necessary. His funds for tests were cut off, and he was able he was told to dispose of his work. Obviously, he didn't. He took the robot to his home and used his home money to, to complete it over 40 years ago. Hold on, Rick. I'm, I'm no mathematician. Yeah. But, you know, in the introduction to this section, it says that the termination date was September 14th, 1940. Yep. Don't do it, Bob. All right. I'm not doing it. 
Save save that for your top ten origin. <laughs> All right, so we cut over to um, the X Men Mansion, which is in Westchester County, New York. Quartered here is a most singular information gathering device and data bank. For years, Cerebro has been quietly scanning human brain waves, identifying those which exhibit mutant characteristics. On a hunch, Wolverine has been poring over Cerebro's databanks, looking for a mutant who controls machines. His hunch pays off. And it's Richard Rensselaer, age 46, discovered in 1982. And by the way, he's a retired S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. This may be the man Wolverine thinks. He could check him out before meeting Captain America tonight. The next day, somewhere in Nebraska, so we got... We got uh, the overrider in his civilian outfit uh, with his van pulled over at a gas station. Look at the look at the gas prices, Bob. How much is a gallon of regular gas? Nice, uh, hundred a dollar nine a gallon. A dollar nine a gallon. Yeah. Them, them, those were the days. <laughs> so he's out there and he's stretching. He goes, ah, legs sure get stiff after a long haul. Say, how about far is it to the outfit air base? Oh, about 50 miles. And the guys, it's off at air base, but yeah. And the guy, uh, you know, this is back when, um, they've not only filled up your, your car, but they would go and they clean your wind windshields. Do you, do you remember that Bob? I do. This was back when they actually had live people. I know. Right now, now listen, I live in New Jersey. So in New Jersey is one of the few States left where you're not allowed to pump your own gas. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, and I, I grew up in Delaware, so I was always used to pumping my own gas. So I came to New Jersey. I'm like, what? But yeah, you have to stay in your car. They pump the gas for you. But I tell you what they don't do. They don't wash your windshields. Oh, they don't check your oil. They don't do the things that they used to do when we were kids. Yeah. They do that. You know, I lived in, in, in Vietnam for a while, Indonesia, and you pull into a gas station, there's like six folks that run out to the car. Like they're pumping gas, they're checking air pressure, they're washing your windows, you know, it's like a whole choreographed thing going on. But, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a job machine, right? That's mm-hmm. why they do it. So uh, yeah, it's a yeah. shame. I miss that. I miss that. It was a great job for teenagers. Yeah, sure enough. So um, anyway, the, 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 uh, he goes, leave the van, the guy's washing windshields. He sees the giant robot in the back. He's like, holy smokes. Um, and then as soon as they leave, he basically calls it in to uh, who? Well, he gets on the stars and stripes. And, and, and Bob, here's interesting. It says quickly, Gary Nasland. I saw that. Transmits the following message. 15-foot robot in back of rental truck spotted 10 miles from Hadley, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Gary Naslin. But not a common name. It is not. Do you think he's any relation to William Naslin? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I, I would hope, you know, he found a better forward path than, uh, you know, middle of nowhere off it, off it. Offered airbase, Nebraska, middle of nowhere, pumping gas. But uh, but hey, treat his own, man. I guess. Nightfall. Richard Renzler, 
aka Overrider, has patiently waited for the sun to set, parked it in his truck 10 miles from America's nuclear command center. America's nuclear command center. Somehow he knew where he was, I guess because he was an ex-shield agent. Right, yeah. So he's flying on his uh, device and Tess is with him flying. Okay, Tess, old girl, the world's salvation is up to us. Let's go and do it. I sensed infrared proximity alarms, a simple matter to override them. A pity I'm not within range of their radar tower. I could override it too. Won't make much difference now that we're in. I want Tess to be noticed. Go to a test. Find your super soldier and don't let any regular soldiers get in your way. And as soon as he test lands, uh, she fires the, from her hands, uh, bust opens the door. And while Tess creates a major league diversion, I'll just sit tight here above it, waiting for the right time to make my move. And so sure enough, the robots uh, fighting and the soldiers are all there. Uh, you know, good gravy. What is that thing? It's not Iron Man, that's for sure. And inside the installation's command center, they're they're looking at the screens and they see what's going on. And and the, the guy in charge, you, you could tell he's in charge because he's got gray temples and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he in a business suit. Why can't they stop it? They're trying to, sir. It repels bazookas, anti-tank guns. Not that I think it can penetrate this facility. General Landon, call came through. The Avengers Quinjet is circling the base. Captain America requests permission to let him land. Maybe he could stop that thing. Outside, Tess is doing a great job drawing their attention away from me. Now, if I remember the layout of this place from the time I visited as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, the outer door, outwitting the electronic tumbler is easy. The tricky part is doing it without letting anyone know I've done it. I'm in, but there are several more to breach before I'm in the control room. Elsewhere, nearby, we tried just about everything short of nuke-tipped missiles. If we up the artillery anymore, we'll wreck the base worse than the robot is. And there's Captain America. Get your men to pull back and stop firing. Let me and my associate try. I left word for the Avengers to assemble here as soon as they could. But I have a feeling if Wolverine and I can't do something before then, the base won't be left standing. So he and, and Wolverine go to, to run towards Tess. Suddenly, the Tess-1 robot pauses in its indiscriminate destruction as its sensors detect the newcomer's presence. Query in range. Eliminate. Who do you think he's talking about? Guess he must be talking about the super soldier. There's only I don't know, but he fires on Wolverine. Hmm. And he does. He fires on Wolverine, and Wolverine jumps. You're quick, bub, but not quick enough. All the men have pulled back as you asked, Captain. Good. Say, Sergeant, I'd hunt for cover if I were you. That robot's coming this way, and I'm its prime target. Well, at least Cap thinks so. So he throws the shield, and it just... What what sound does it make? It ricochets off his antimanium hull? <laughs> My shield's a bit stronger than antimanium. I like how they just... You know what? That's the other cool thing about this particular issue right because you know as as comic geeks we sometimes have these conversations what's stronger 
Captain America's shield or Wolverine's claws. Uh-huh. And according to Mark Grunewald, and according to this episode, this issue, Captain America's shield is strong. That that's true, but but at least he's honest with the physics, right? I mean, mass he, matters. He does. He says, "Yeah, my shield's a bit stronger than antimanium, but Tess also outweighs it by a factor of a thousand. Still, I've got to keep it occupied till the soldier gets to safety." Quarry fleeing. Come on. Let's lead the thing away from the troops. Look, I agree to hitch a ride with you here, but that doesn't mean I'm taking orders from you, bub. Wolverine's such a loner, so volatile. I'm used to working with team players. That gate gives me an idea. If you're amenable, Wolverine, try to get it to turn its back on me for a second. Since you asked so nice... For the past 10 minutes, Wolverine has been observing his metallic nemesis, timing the duration of its concussion blasts and the interval in between. Then, in the five seconds it takes for its right blaster to recharge, he pounces, and he does, jumps right on top of him. But Tess throws him down. And Cap, who's on the other side of him, thinks to himself, I may not think of that much of him personally, but I must admit, Wolverine has great moves. His close quarter stunts are really engaging Tess's full attention. With luck, it won't notice what I'm up to till it's too late. And um, they managed to make Tess fall. We done it. It's down. Go for its joints. If they were animanium, they couldn't flex like they do. Not just any joint. I'm going for the throat. And he puts his claws into into uh, into the neck area of the robot. I've penetrated, but I'm not far enough to get the leverage I need. What can I do to help? Besides keeping him from swatting you off. And he is. He's using his shield to stop the hands. Use your shield to hammer my claws in farther. But I, I'd have to strike your hands to do it. No time to argue. Just do it. I'm told he's a fast healer, but this will hurt, still hurt like mad. And he does. He's, he's got his claws in the neck, so Cap's using his shields to pound down the claws deeper, which is hitting his Wolverine's hands. Good. Another few blows, and I'll have it. He must be in agony, but he doesn't flinch. And, and he, Cap comes down. I mean, I mean, he comes down hard. He has the shield on with both hands on either side and he takes it over his head and slams it down onto his hands head severed we did it good thing i didn't act like wolverine does when he ordered me to strike him how are your hands bleeding we'll stop any minute now great job you two it's not over yet soldier this robot's master has probably breached your installation by now so they start running inside. In minutes, the Avenger and the X-Men are, are escorted inside in the Situation Room. I just pray there's still time. There he is. What's he trying to do? I could try to talk him down, but not till I know if he set any booby traps only he can disarm. Okay, Rensselaer, what's the bright idea? You looking to set off World War III from up there? Quite the contrary, Wolverine. I'm going to make World War III an impossibility. 
once I've taken mental control of everything electronic in this whole facility, I'm going to launch America's entire nuclear arsenal. Got to stall him. Think of a plan. How? Simple. I'm going to aim them at the sea and bury them on the ocean floor without detonating them. Instant unilateral disarmament. Hmm? If anyone tries to stop me, I'll activate the missile's aiming mechanisms, thus reducing the facility to a smoking crater. I can't believe you throw your, white, your life away like that. If I fail, the human race is doomed anyway. Wolverine knows who I am, an ex-intelligence agent. I know the world's sitting on a powder keg. If I fail, there's no hope, nothing to live for. What about your kid? My son is a victim of nuclear psychosis, an overwhelming dread that the world will end at any moment. If I don't succeed, my son is doomed to live out whatever's left of his life as a vegetable. I have to succeed, don't you see? But what will prevent the Russians from misinterpreting the launch? They might... Enough talk. I've started the countdown to launch time. If you distract me, I may accidentally aim the missiles at Moscow. Enough talk. I've started the countdown to launch time. If you distract me, I may accidentally aim the missiles at Moscow. He's really done it. He's locked us out of our own terminals. And then Cap takes his shield and he throws it. If I let this go on any further, it might be too late to stop him. Now, while his head is turned, I've got to aim this just right so I can take him down and catch, the sh catch my shield before it damages anything. Got him. Wolverine, catch him. And then Wolverine pops his claws. Snick, snick. Oh, I'll catch him all right. And he aims his claws right up at where... Overrider is falling too. Wolverine thinks Overrider's brain is his weapon. The only way to disarm him is to shut down that brain. Overrider is psychotic as his son. The world is in danger if he lives. The world may be better off without him. On the other hand, there's a simpler way to resolve the situation. Disobey orders. And at just that point, Wolverine turns and lets Overrider crash to the ground. Missed. The, te the technicians scrambled to regain control of America America's defenses, and in a matter of minutes, the nuclear arsenal has been restored to its customary standby status. The medics are on his way, Captain. How is he? Still breathing. There must be a limit to the range of his metal mental power, or he'd not have risked coming in here. We'd better move him as soon as we can. And Wolverine's walking away, and Cap points at him. As for you, mister, you better hope the X-Men never get tired of putting up with you because I guarantee you, the Avengers would never have you. The fall didn't kill him. I could have. I didn't. What more do you want? And then the last panel of the, uh, of the whole story, we see Bob Frank sitting in a hospital bed with bandages on his head and a cast on his arm. And who's sitting next to him? But Logan, smoking a cigarette. Epilogue, 24 hours later. Hey, kid, how you doing? Who are you, mister? The guy who found you and brought you here. Bob Frank appreciates it. Thanks. Hey, no sweat, Bob. 
The end. And it has a little, again, as I mentioned earlier, special thanks to Joseph Rubenstein for pitching in and inking pages 32 through 40. Thanks, Joe. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a fun story, Rick. Yes, it was. A lot of action. A lot happened, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know what? Hey, look. Wolverine's gotten a soft heart at, 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 at the very end, right? He goes and he checks in on, on, um, on Bob Frank. So he's not a bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's an interesting, right? Because there is this sort of juxtaposition, like this contrasting between Cap and Wolverine. They're, they're cut from very different pieces of cloth, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the end, you know, of course, Bob Frank is a, is a mutant, right? So, uh, so Wolverine has some affinity there. Yeah. And then the whole thing about Captain America, you know, the Avengers will never accept Wolverine. Right. Well, 20 years later, yeah. uh, Wolverine's a member of the Avengers. Um, <laughs> yeah. He joined in new Avengers number seven. So, uh, so famous last words, Cap. Yeah. Yeah, and if you think about it, it wasn't even 20 years, right? Because uh, in the Marvel time, that was what, probably a couple of years later. It's true. Yeah. That's true. So never say what, never. What do you think? Uh, all right, so what else? We, we I know we, we paused and we stopped at a lot of different things along the, uh, the issue. Any, any overriding last thoughts? Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I, I like about uh, this sort of era, right, is that... Um, the some of these bad guys that they came up with right mm -hmm. uh had some had had some legitimate concerns right so the mm -hmm. overrider or flag smasher or every man right these, these were guys that uh i mean they had legitimate gripes it's just how they sort of went about addressing right. those uh concerns mm -hmm. right that is the problem uh, it is it is virtue taken too far becomes a vice and, uh, and I think that's a really interesting way to to create a villain um, mm -hmm. or a bad guy anyway uh, and so I'd love that about this this uh, this particular issue because uh, not only do you get the cap Wolverine thing but uh, it really gets you thinking about at least in the context of the 1980s there was a palpable fear of a nuclear holocaust and what would come mm -hmm. after. Uh, yep. And they played on that very effectively. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's a good sign of a good writer is when you, you can create a, a villain or a bad guy that um, is not two-dimensional, you know, that you can almost relate to them. You can almost say, hey, you know, I, I, I understand their genesis. I understand their impetus behind what it is they're doing. Um, and who knows? You know, if uh, for for the grace of God, maybe I would have made some bad decisions if I was in the same situation and I could relate to to that particular person. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's always intriguing. It's always a sign of a good writer. Right. You know, we talked about like in our top 10 villains, right, that uh, a lot of the villains, uh, the way they're written in the Marvel Universe are heroes in their own story. And certainly Overrider would see himself as a hero in his own story. Of course. Yeah. All he wanted to do was, uh, you know, take away the, uh, the threat so that his son would, would get better. 
All right, Bob. So is it time to announce uh, next episode who our guest is going to be? Do it, Rick. Do it. Do it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, there is a book that came out. Um, I can't remember when it came out, uh, but it's been around for a little while. And the title of the book, and you may have seen it in the Facebook pages, because I know sometimes people talk about the book. And it's called Captain America, Masculinity and Violence, The Evolution of a National Icon. And that is uh, the title of the book. And so we're going to have the author, uh, Dr. Uh, Rick Stevens, is going to join us next episode to talk about uh, his book. Rick, this is my favorite book of all time. Of all time, Rick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was talking to my wife about this last night. She's like, what, is, is this a good book? I'm like, it's not a good book. It's a great book. It's my favorite book. Uh, and, uh, and, and the thing I love about it is it's so well-researched uh, and it's so insightful and it covers, it covers the evolution of Cap from like 1941 up through the book, you know, goes up through 2018 with the paperback mm-hmm. uh, edition and how Cap's values and principles and uh, moral positions and his views on violence itself, righteous mm-hmm. violence, restrained violence have, have evolved over time uh, with different creative teams. So it, it's really interesting because we tend to think of, well, Cap's always been the same. But in fact, he has. His positions have changed on a number of things over the years. And uh, so it's, it's going to be a great conversation. I think, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I remember the first time you... You introduced me to this book, uh, you know, over a year ago, um, and I saw the title, right? And it was Captain America, Masculinity and Violence. I was like, eh, I it sounds know. crazy, right? It, yeah, yeah, the title like, throws what? you off. Yeah, yeah, but but no, it's uh, you know, no, you're right. This is a this is a great uh, opportunity to to talk with the author on that, and so looking forward to that. That'll be next episode um, where we talk with him in episode number 47. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I that, can't wait. You know what? It's been a long episode. Uh, thanks to everybody for sticking around and uh, yeah, l- listening to Bob and I wrap cap. Because uh, as always, Bob, it's been fun. Sting, sting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Hey. What are you doing? You're still here? It's over. Go home. you like that (laughs) oh i hope folks hung out for that i do too